Hey guys, it's Stogie here. Before we get started, I want to thank you guys very much for tuning in and listening to the podcast. I want you to do me a favor. If you haven't already yet, please click follow, subscribe to the channel either on iTunes or Spotify. Hit that notification bell so you know in real time when I put up another podcast. I just want you all to be here with me. I can't thank you enough. If you haven't yet already, please share this podcast with your friends. If you know anybody that can get some use out of it, pass it on to them. They're real easy to share. So thank you very much. I truly appreciate it. And without further ado, let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Stogie from the Road. I am your host, Stogie. Long pause. That's it, just Stogie. I'm not a truck driver anymore. I turned the old keys to the left. I hung them up. And I am done. I am done being a truck driver. We talked about it in my last podcast. And I'm okay with it. Not gonna lie, struggled with it a little bit before... I headed back to Georgia, had to bring the truck back to the uh, home terminal there in Cartersville, Georgia, which was fine. I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I got a chance to have that one final ride in my beloved Orange Crush. It was tough cleaning it out. That was tough. But I'm glad I got that ride. It would have been different if I would have cleaned it out and they would have came and picked it up and I watched it go away. That would have been one thing, but I got the closure I needed put my phone on silent, did some real work and some real reflection as I drove and I came to the realization that this was a chapter. I needed, I always knew I needed to do something poignant in my life. I needed to do something that had some uh, value to it, something that would make a difference. I made so many mistakes in my life in the beginner part of my life that there was this underlying current, this urge to, to make things right, do something that makes a difference, do something for the greater good. The famous saying that I like so much is, true success in a man's life is the world is a better place because you have lived. Well, for the first half of my life, it was mistake after mistake and hurting people and making mistakes and feeling guilty and it chips away at your self-esteem and you just eventually you start kind of believing that inner narration that you are not worth anything. Well, during that trip back, I started thinking, I didn't utilize my time wisely while I was in this truck for four years. I didn't do the work that I needed to do. I had all these lofty ambitions of teaching myself a second language, growing, I'm a huge fan of philosophy and getting into philosophy and understanding the meaning of life. And I didn't do it. And I, I felt this, just this guilt, like I wasted a perfect opportunity. And now it's back to regular, the regularly scheduled programming of going to work every day, clocking in and clocking out. And it hit me while I was on the road that I did exactly 
what I intended to do, which was figure out who I am, what I am, what I've done, and where I'm going. I started studying Marcus Aurelius a lot, and Epictetus, and Seneca. And the underlying current of all of those is Stoicism. Being unfazed by the way things happen to you in life and continuing on. Doing what you have to do in in the face of adversity. Do not concern yourself with tomorrow because it might not belong to you. Do not dwell upon the past because you no longer possess it. The only thing you have is the here and the now. And accept it for what it is. Instead of saying, why me? Say, how can I learn from this? Life does not happen to you. It happens for you. And I just dug deep into it. Like I said, I put my phone on silent. I didn't really talk to a whole lot of people. And that five-day trek across the country, I made sure I got out of the truck and walked around and took in all the sights that I know that I'm not going to see for a while. I didn't have Bonnie with me, so I didn't have a distraction to validate myself or wallow in sadness. It was just me. Just me and me alone. I came to this epiphany that I have spent the past three and a half, four years, especially the past two and a half years, that I got really sick of being jerked around by the chain of public opinion by my neck. Every time somebody yanked that chain, I would react or submit or alter my state in the court of public opinion. And by listening to the meditations by Marcus Aurelius, these are letters to himself that he wrote to himself daily. You know, they say that he would be mortified today if he knew people were reading it. It was a diary unto himself. He dealt with the same thing. It is written in a way that is almost like it's written in modern time. And we all deal with it. Whether you're on your TikTok or your Snapchat or your Facebook. People look at the cliff notes of your life, form a judgment. Nine times out of ten, it's not very flattering. And they come after you. And the strength lies within you to not believe them. You know, I, uh, I wrote down this, this quote from Meditations. Thinking of others make you stray from your own direct line. Respond to the divinity seated within you. This renders you unsullied by pleasure, unscathed by any pain, untouched by any wrong, and unfazed by any unsteadiness concentrate on you what lies within you and if it's a dream if it's an intention 
if it's an image of yourself that you truly believe that is you and you exclude the opinion of others you're able to stay the course by putting my phone on silent I did not have any rhetoric from anybody to make me second-guess the decision I was making there was a part of me that right before I left and I was unpacking my truck into my garage and I was getting ready to leave you know that kind of a point of no return moment I sent a text message to the owner and if you were to translate it it basically says I just need to send I just need you to send me a text to tell me not to quit that you want me to stay and he didn't and do you know why because the owner of the company is a very smart man he's got that southern accent and people if they don't know him they would think he's just a good old country boy but that man has the insight level of intelligence and education of an Ivy Ivy League school uh, graduate and any success in the success he has uh, coincides with that he knew that my direction that I was taking was right. It's what I needed to do. It's what I need to do for my family. It's what I need to do for my wife and my children and my grandchildren. But most importantly, myself. I have an unfulfilled objective that I need to complete. So I didn't get that ego stroke that I was looking for. I've got, you made a decision. Now stick with it. That's what we as men have to do. That's the premise of my documentary. My documentary is not going to be this woe is me thing. It's going to be a documentary of the journey of my life and how it came to, uh, it, I guess, the summit of reflection and insight that I gained in trucking. What I did in trucking is no different than somebody that does uh, research for a movie or research for a book. You hear about actors all the time. They'll go on, you know, if they're going to be a, a Navy SEAL in a movie, they'll go through the BUDS training. If they're going to uh, do a movie about some, you know, third world country, they'll go spend some time over there and they will shadow somebody. That's what I did in trucking. That's what I realized that I did in trucking. It was a research chapter of my life on the road to fulfilling my destiny. People don't understand that because they go based upon Facebook posts and the 15.2 minutes that they meet me. They have no idea. They get the the broad strokes, the quick brush strokes of, of what I've done in previous lives based upon social networking or what I say and when we meet each other. But the core of it, the deep down, deep-seated core of my journey, the only person that knows that is me. And there's no way you can know that. And there's no way you would have known what my objective is or my destiny is 
because I just fucking figured it out on my drive back to Georgia. Yes, I'm going to work for Harley-Davidson. Yes, I'm going to throw myself into it, give it everything I've got. But what I learned by being a tailor was that is not your objective. It's a, it's a chapter. It's an assignment. It's a learning phase. It's, you know, you get your freshman, sophomore, and junior year and your senior year, and then you go on and get your master's and things like that. That's, that's what life is. It's this journey. You know, and learning now to have respect and be present in the chapters of that journey. You know, Marcus Aurelius says, isn't it astonishing that no matter how short or how long the life is, the destination is the same? We will all die. Everybody that we know will die. So why not enjoy the now? Why not embrace the now? Why not find our strengths and who we are, embrace it wholeheartedly, and enjoy every moment as it comes, and let go of the moments that pass you by? You know, there's a difference between guilt and regret. I have guilt for the things that I've done wrong in my life, but I do not regret them. Especially recently, this most recent period of my life, my failures, my fall from grace in the trucking industry. I have guilt for it, tremendous guilt. People were affected. But there's no regret there. I learned a tremendous amount about myself due to that mistake, a tremendous about, uh, amount about my my relationships with people and my wife and my children and my life in general. The people that were affected by it learned valuable lessons in the process, all of which will serve us all well in the future if we learn from them. You embrace the mistakes you make. They are the fabric of what you become. They are the fabric of who you are. They are mere brushstrokes in the masterpiece of your life. Now we forge ahead. So tomorrow, I clock in and I go to work in my new job at Harley-Davidson. I'm extremely excited about it. It's a very relaxed environment in comparison to where I was before. It's a high-paced but fun job. Everybody there is very welcoming and just a lovely group of people. And I get, a, I get to sell happiness. Nobody buys a Harley to be pissed off, I'll tell you that much. But I get to interact with people again. I get to meet people again. That was one of the things that frustrated me about trucking is I've always been a social individual. That was the core of of who I am. That's a fulfilling thing for me. I I get fulfillment out of meeting people and learning from them, watching myself grow vicariously through other people that I meet. That's why with the videos that I did and I would meet with waitresses and people at 
truck stops and try to breathe life back into those old truck stops and meet truckers and tell their stories and my journeys. The children that I met opening up my truck to the neighborhood kids or people I would meet along the way. Those were the, those were the highlights of my career in trucking. Going to truck shows and meeting people and seeing the impact that Bonnie and I had on their lives. Those were the highlights of my career in trucking. But they made up a very small percentage of my life, which left me feeling very empty and hollow. I didn't experience this level of sadness when I was in prison when I was a young man. And I asked myself, why? You were driving around in a quarter of a million dollar beautiful show truck. You're loved by many. You're respected in your place of employment by some of your peers, emphasize, some of them. Why are you so unhappy? Because I wasn't fulfilling my, my destiny. I wasn't fulfilling what I was supposed to be doing. I was in this, this fog of, okay, this is where I am, and I was talking in a sense of certainty, like, this is where I'll stay. And that's, that's not how life works. You have no idea if you're going to advance in your career or if you are going to die in a car accident on your way to that job. You have no idea if you are going to make partner at that law firm or go to your regular doctor's checkup and him tell you, you have six months to live, go get your affairs in order. You have no idea. The older I get, the more people I watch come and go from this life. It is so surreal to me to where when, say, a friend of mine passes on and then six, eight months later, I see a conversation I had with him via text message. One person in particular was a friend of mine who was a former customer at the cigar shop that I used to work at, a couple of them. His name was Marcus Combs. He was a comedian. He was on Def Comedy Jam, toured, knew a lot of people. did very well for himself his passion honestly was catering he loved to cook he would bring barbecue and all kinds of soul food up to the cigar shop to me every now and again that would just oh, my good lord what a gift that guy had and when I left the cigar industry I went and got my CDL and he was amazed because he watched different chapters of my life different careers and he just wrote one comment underneath it when I uh, showed that I was a truck driver. He said, dude, you need to write a book. The amount of stuff you've done in your life, you need to write a book. And I always sat there. I'd get on Facebook on, every now and again, and I would write these long, wordy, pedantic, freaking reflections of what I would experience on the road and what my eyes would see and what my mind would tell me that I would see. And I would post him in my neighborhood page and everybody says, you need to write a book. I've had dozens of people that I've talked to tell me this. Now, granted, I've had an equal amount of people, mainly in trucking, scoff at it, laugh at it, probably still laughing at it. That doesn't matter. There's reasons for that. Sorry, I'm drinking some coffee here. 
I'm still a little jet lagged from the flight back. But let's let's unpack why some of these people, and mainly in trucking, and I'm not picking on truck drivers, so please don't think that. But there's a lot of people in trucking, especially recently, say so you need to do some real self-work. You need to figure this out. You need to do this and you need to do that. Well, here's a little fun fact for you. When people actually do do some self-analysis, that introspective analysis that you were telling me that I need to do, do you know what happens when somebody actually does it and it actually sinks in? You, one, inevitably, figure out who you are, what you're doing, what you've done wrong, and what you need to do. But other people start making sense to you as well. You start thinking about the things that people say to you. I'm a people watcher. I watch people and I don't say much to them. I just think. I watch and I think. And I cross-reference that with what I learn and then people start making sense to me. So by doing that, now people don't upset me when they say something negative about what I'm doing makes me feel sorry for you because we are the same I was turning into that person we are the same if you are wiping your feet on the hopes and dreams of your fellow man if you are tromping your muddy boots through the peaceful mind of people that are trying to better themselves, if I was a betting man, I would say you are incredibly disappointed in the way your life panned out. You're incredibly envious that I'm showing the courage that at all cost, I'm going to fulfill my destiny of what I want to achieve. And you know for a fact you have not people want to talk about ego and that message I got from that one lady it always seems like you're looking for an audience you know, your ego and all that yeah in the creative arts ego is essential now if you have misplaced ego ego left unchecked you do no self worth self work and you, you're all ego all the time then that's what creates the disaster when you reach fame or stardom. Case in point, me. When I reached a level of notoriety in trucking and temptation came across my desk, so to speak, I fell into it, I devoured it, I embraced it, and I evolved into a shadow of what my potential could be and people got hurt in the process now you put a dollar amount on that life lesson I'll wait that was a lesson that I finally learned at the age of 46 that will follow me along the road of life until the day I die It had to happen. I'm thankful that it happened. Now let's move on.
on to the next lesson. On to the next batch of adversity, the waves that come in and out of the shore of your life. And as you live your life, you learn to lean into those waves. You don't say, why me? You just see it coming or you don't see it coming. But if you don't lean into them, brace yourself and dig your heels into the sand, you will get knocked over, swept out into the current. And then ultimately you will die. A slow, agonizing, emotional death. I do not look at this chapter of my life as a loss. I do not look at this chapter of my life that something bad happened and next thing you know I lost my career. Before anything bad happened, I was a miserable, miserable human being. Before I got any notoriety, miserable. Because I had an unconscious, unchecked, unfulfilled objective that was uh, sitting on the shelf of my mind that I wasn't tending to. You know, I watched a video recently about high-value men and low-value men. And I cringe. That low-value man was me. I was checking every box. Every fucking box. The amount of internal strength that it took for me to sit there and listen to somebody talk about a negative outlook on a man and knowing that in my heart, knowing I showed up for every one of those characteristics <clears throat> it was very sobering. It was very hard to listen to. But I, 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 I rested in it. I sat in it. I sat through it. Hell, I listened to the video two or three times during my drive. Take your medicine. Embrace it. Learn from it. And do not repeat it. And then pass it on. Pay it forward. In hopes that somebody will learn enough from it that they won't hurt anybody like you did. You know, but alongside that, I watched what's a high-value and low-value couple as far as a relationship and as, as a marriage. And it made a lot of sense. And in the end, I watched the, uh, what is a low-value woman? Hmm. <laughs> That was enlightening. I met a woman recently that, you know, before <clears throat> everything all went to went to shit and went haywire. She spent a lot of time calling me out on my bullshit. She was right about a good bulk majority of it some of the stuff she was so fucking far off base it wasn't even funny and I have sat with it for a very long time just 
it just would pick at me and pick at me and pick at me and point out my faults and rub my nose and shit. And I was just got tired of it. And I evicted her from my life. But it bothered me that something about her, her calling me out, even though, especially recently, finding out that she was right. Why did it bother me so much? Did the truth hurt? Yeah, it did. A human being. When somebody points out your faults, you, uh, it, it doesn't feel good. And then I watched that video. And my disdain for her faded away and then evolved into pity. Why? Because she checked every box on a low-value woman. I mean, it was astounding at how accurate it was. And it got me to thinking, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm using air quotes here. She's done the work. And she obviously knows what she's talking about because she was right about me. How the fuck can she be right about me and have done the work but still be a low-value individual? It was amazing. It was truly, truly amazing how accurate it was. So I thought about it for a day or two and then it dawned on me. There's another lesson. You can recognize your faults. You can do the work. You can do all the actions and you can screenshot some beautiful poetic quote that was coined by some ancient philosopher. But unless you actually live by it, truly, truly live by it, and embrace it, then it doesn't matter. In meditations, he states, be patient with others, but strict on yourself. Be patient with others but strict with yourself. I woke up this morning. My hips and my legs and my back was killing me from that flight. (laughs) Instead of going, oh my God, it hurts. Oh my God, I'm getting older. This is bullshit. I said, this hurts. Am I not taking good enough care of myself? Am I not doing what I have to do to become a strong, resilient man, to preserve this one gift of body that God gave me? When I was on the plane, on my left was a 280-pound man, contractor. On my right was about a 220-pound man, businessman. My big ass was stuck in the middle. I had about a three-hour flight, two-and-a-half, three-hour flight into Denver, and it was painful. I sat there, and my back was hurting, my legs were hurting, 
I was listening to the audio book of Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. I put my hands together in, in my lap. I sat up straight. I closed my eyes. I breathed in through my nose and out of my mouth. I controlled my breathing and I embraced all the subtle nuances of the stinging pain in my back and my legs. I focused on it. I lived in it. I just sat with it. This is just a body. This is a body that's fading and dying, getting older, getting weaker, less resilient. But my soul lives on. My soul is unbreakable. The fabric of who I am and what makes me. I will heal from what I'm enduring right now if I tend to my physical garden. But I have to keep my soul and my mind intact. Not fall apart. Not say, woe is me. Not get my mind off kilter and out of whack and let it run away from me and panic and feel the why me's and the woes woe is me and all that just sit with it and I drifted off into a peaceful meditative state almost to where I felt like I fell asleep but I know I didn't I've tried to meditate in the past, have an anxiety attack, something bad would go wrong, and I'd try to shut my mind off. I never could. You can't shut your mind off and meditate if you cling to the past and obsess and worry about the future. You can't. But if you embrace the here and the now, sit with it. I am who I am. I aspire to be better. But the only thing I can do is be better right now. Yesterday does not define me. It's just part of that tapestry of your life. I'm a lucky, lucky man. I'm so thankful that that God gifted me with the ability to have a thirst for insight on why I am who I am. That gift of wanting to figure it out versus just giving up and letting it go and Whatever, whatever. I'm an asshole. You're just going to have to take me like I am. Those are the people that have been called an asshole enough to where they they wear it like a badge of honor. And then they, they work diligently to live up to it. I don't care to know those people. I'm not going to sit 
and wax poetic about, oh, I'm better than you, and I've gained this insight and this, this wisdom and all this bullshit. It's not that. It's me saying that these flaws that I carry around are a work in progress. It's a knot that I'm trying to unravel. It's that big ball of Christmas lights that it's from the movie Christmas Vacation. Here, would you work on that there, Russ? You remember the scene. That's the, that's the fabric of my life. This quest of up and down and left and right and all over the place and making mistakes. I told you in one of my recent YouTube videos that I'm documenting this journey of my life. You know, six, seven podcasts ago, I was relatively certain about a lot of things. And a couple podcasts later, I'm, I'm lost. I'm flogging myself. I'm doing this for a reason. Because I know there's at least one of you out there that feels the same way. Whether you're the person that's digging deep and searching for the courage of how do I get out of this life of trucking? This is all I know. There's a guy that uh, hit me up the other day. He says he wants to get out of it. Get his health in order and get his career in order and be home more. I said, then do it. It sounds oversimplified, but th then do it. As money means so much to you that you're willing to trade your life for it. Do you think that you're alive, living in a perpetual state of misery and quiet desperation? Do you think that you're truly alive? There's a sobering scene from a story about an emperor walking down the street. And on the street he had all the, the dregs of society, the thieves, the drug addicts, the whores, the criminals, the murderers, and all of that. All lined up. And as he walked by, one of the prisoners, and, and they were all lined up because they were all getting ready to be executed. And as he walked by, one of the prisoners said, Emperor, please, I beg of you, show me mercy. Spare my life. Please, spare my life. And he looked upon him and said, You think you're alive? Think about it. You beg for a life that you have no respect for. You plead for one more day of the misery that you live in. You've fallen in love with the filth that you bathe in. Because I know that sounds harsh, but that's what that is. If you've metamorphosized into this asshole... This miserable son of a bitch. To where nobody that meets you walks away 
happy that they did. And you fight with everybody, like I've spent a lifetime doing. You think that's living? No, that's dying a slow, emotional death. You've all met the old, old man that eventually dies in his beat-up recliner in his house and nobody notices him until the stench is more than the neighbors can bear. The old, old man or the old woman that dies alone in a nursing home and not a single person is in there to say their goodbyes or say, I love you. There's no affirmation that your life was one that was well lived. I was watching this interview recently and this woman was talking about her last moments with her father. He had cancer, I think lymphoma or something like that and he was on all these apparatus that were hooked up to him and he could barely talk. And she was looking at him saying, Dad, stop fighting. It's, it's okay. We love you. You can go now. Stop fighting. You don't have to hurt anymore. And he was able to see, he was able to say three letters to her. And he choked him out to where she could barely understand him, but she did. He said, CVS. And it rattled her to the core. It, it shook her foundation. Because, and she was, I think, in her 40s at this time when she was telling the story. When she uh, first moved out of the house, she got in a big argument with her father in front of a CVS. And they said horrible things to one another. It was a big fight, big, big fight that parents have with their children from time to time in different chapters of their life. And that's what he remembered. In his final moments, the last bit of strength that he had, all he could bring up was a moment of his life as a father that he held on to that he regretted the most. And he whispered the words, I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. She said, Dad, it's okay. I love you. And he passed away. What does that tell you? That you could live this long, long life can gain and lose things and achieve things and make friends, lose friends. But in your final moments, what matters to you the most? Was your life one that was well lived? Were you good to people? Were you kind? Was this world a better place because you have lived?
it's not too late. It's not too late for any of us. If it's not too late for me, it's not too late for you. So that's the quest that I'm on. That's the road that I'm walking down. With or without you. I don't need your approval to make a career change. I don't need your approval to see an objective through. To do this podcast. Or complete this documentary. I'm fighting for something much bigger than the court of public opinion and the negative rhetoric that comes out of the mouths of people that have not done the work yet. Stand up for what you believe in, even if you're standing alone. So with that being said, I love each and every one of you. I hope you're happy, healthy, loving, and living life. Oh, Bonnie, and I'll see you around.